If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 324 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, aka the Pod God, joined today by the Aidan O'Shea of Irish MMA media, Graham MacDonald. As we talk about, I was going to, I usually say a big week in the world of mixed martial arts, but it, it wasn't really. We're not going to fucking lie to you. It wasn't a big week in the world of mixed martial arts. We're going to struggle to get the 45 minutes in this a podcast. Boring, a boring week in the, in the world of <laughs> yeah, mixed martial arts. boring weekend. But, you know, please we, stay tuned. Please <laughs> stay tuned. We have, you know, we have that one listen, so it doesn't matter. You can just just, just stop listening. No, I do. I'm only, I'm only joking. But, um, but we, we have a few things to talk about, obviously. And, you know, even, you know, but we will get into that. But first of all, let us tell you that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. And you thought this summer of European football for was over but it's not the soccer is back today the premier league is back and our friends at manscaped are here with a master class to get you ready for the new season the leaders in men's grooming have done it again and just launched a fourth generation uh, performance package included is the new lawnmower 4.0 trimmer which i have upstairs absolutely fantastic i uh, will even give Paris Saint-Germain uh make it jealous of your <laughs> of your well-groomed package join the two million men worldwide worldwide even uh who trust manscaped with the new performance package 4.0 by going to manscaped.com for 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe mma you can have your hair like fucking anthony martial now bald you know you're you can you can cut down your legs as much as jordan pickford cut down the legs of virgil van yeah, I wouldn't recommend doing what Marshall did. It made him look about five years older, so avoid that. He does look a bit old. But the performance package for by Dove Manscaped is here. And wow, this package is class from top to bottom. To take your grooming game to the next level inside, you'll find the 4.0 trimmer, the weed whacker, nose and hair trimmer, formulations, and two free gifts. First off, the new 4.0 includes that lawnmower 4.0. The trimmer's Gives an absolute masterclass and clinical trim on your balls. The offseason brought our team changes and we've seen Messi transferred. You know, we've seen Varane come in. We've seen that Konate lad or whatever he's called go to Liverpool. But we're with Team Manscaped here thanks to the Lawnmower 4.0. And that new technology has upgraded our midfield and make sure my pubes aren't messy anymore. The fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming incidents thanks to the uh, skin safe technology which is advanced the uh, lawnmower 4.0 has a 7000 rpm motor uh, with the multifunction on off switch uh, and travel lock that gives you the ability to turn the 4000k led spotlight on and off for a more precise shave oh did i mention the trimmer is waterproof too use it in the shower rain or shine the mates at manscaped have you covered speaking of covered do you have your no do you have nose or hair ear hair mine are the worst they're actually not i've known that's i'm just reading what they say here I, that's factually incorrect well no fear the performance package 4.0 ultra features the weird whacker to chop your worst weeds up to, uh, to, you know nose and hair uh, the nose and hair trimmer is also waterproof and provides proprietary I can never say that fucking word proprietary proprietary skin safe neck dology, which helps prevent nicks snags and tugs in the delicate holes then you can't forget the manscapes liquid um, formulations the crop preserver absolutely brilliant ball deodorant and the crop reviver toner which i'm actually running out of it lads see me on more of it it's absolutely fantastic stuff altogether trust me your balls will thank you for that manscaped even threw in two free gifts the um boxers 
and the shed travel bag your boys will be singing for joy in their box to get 20 percent off and free shipping r- rumor rumor has it you haven't taken off those boxes since they arrived still, <laughs> still wearing them only one pair of them i wear them for the last nine months <laughs> i've done more sitting in them boxers <laughs> than fucking jordan shakiri has done sitting on the bench at liverpool so i used the code severe at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping to code severe at manscaped.com kick some overgrown pubes hairs and grass this season with manscaped I, I think, you know, Greg, I think we do that soccer read every week. I like that. That's my favorite one so far. But, uh, yeah, people will be worried we'll be getting into the soccer chat. So they will, yeah. We better move on from it. We had a good one with Ken Early. It's probably, it's still in date, I would say, um, over in uh, Patreon. We did a whole hour, even a bit longer, with, with Ken talking about the Premier League season, talking about Messi, talking about money in, in the game. Even if you're not a, a soccer fan, to be honest, it's, it's worth to listen. Patrick listened to it, and he hates soccer, and he said it was pretty good. So, uh, give give that a listen. But how and ever, we're here to talk about mixed martial arts. And I was sitting there, we're actually recording this on, on Saturday night. Usually, uh, it, it, we would just be sitting down to watch the UFC now, but there's no UFC tonight. Uh, we had Bellator and PFL on Friday night. And as I was sitting there watching them, you know, a lot of the times, these, and I'm sure a lot of people listen to this as well, you'd be like quarter of the way through the prelims or halfway through the prelims and kind of think to yourself, uh, I've only kind of half watched these fights, you know, there's nothing really of notice happened. Maybe there's some good fighters and maybe they could be good in the future, you know, yeah. and we'll come back. Nothing's and- grabbed you, nothing's yeah. like caught your attention. It feels like there's a rare, rare night off without the UFC. And it feels like these two uh, promotions had the opportunity to take that. And they just, they just didn't need them really. Like I think, and they went head to head, which is yeah. uh, kind of a strange move. Like you know, yeah, you, you could have. There's no show on tonight. Uh, no big show on tonight. So they could have. One of them could have. Like obviously, uh, Bellator have kind of a history of putting them on on Friday nights, but they have done Saturday nights. So yeah, it's it's not the best idea. Like you know, the the casual MMA fan isn't isn't going to tune in. Unless there's nothing, nothing else on, really, and the the hardcore MMA fan base isn't big enough to support two uh, minor shows, like two not UFC shows, yeah. uh, at the same time. So uh, it's, it's a strange decision, um, but you know, maybe maybe it was an oversight because I don't see it being a you know a decision to go head to head. I don't think that makes much sense. No, but, and I th- I feel like especially for someone like a PFL who are on you know are they on ESPN Plus, but I you know promoted by ESPN as well. If they went on the Saturday night tonight, and I know they, they you know, we forget about what days they go, because they can all switch and change around and things. If they had gone on tonight with no one there, you know, or with, with no UFC there, and if Rory McDonald in the main event, people, okay, Rory's not the most famous fighter in planet Earth, but he's a pretty famous fighter, you know. Put him in the, in the main event, you know, you have another few people say, like, Clay Collard's name is kind of out there, Glace and Tebow, people kind of know those names. Put them on that card. People could be looking for the UFC to season on tonight, the casual audience, and it's not on. But Rory McDonald's fighting, Gleason T. Bowles fighting. Let's have a look at this. And they just fall upon PFL. That's not going to happen, one, when it's on a Friday night, and two, when it's on uh, against Bellator. It's just not. As you said, you're you're not only losing the casual audience or not gaining that casual audience, you're also losing uh, the hardcore audience or maybe people are watching both or swapping back and forth like I was last night. So... It's just, it, it's, I, I don't think they did it on purpose, which is actually is kind of worse. If they did it on purpose, maybe you would say there's a bit of a war going on between them or whatever. Um, but I just think it's, I just thought it was stupidity. But also, you know, the big thing that kind of stuck out to me, um, it's just how distant of a second and third. And, you know, you, know, you could argue fourth with, with PFL maybe as well when, you, you know, you put Cage Warriors or Risen or whoever else you might want to put in there. Um it's still a very, very distant in terms of our looking forward to it because you have some good fighters like a Musasi. Like Musasi was in the UFC, he was in a ranked UFC fighter for years. Rory McDonald won the best UFC fighters for years. But you put him in there against someone, even like said the Ray Cooper fight. I know who Ray Cooper is. You know who Ray Cooper is. Probably you know. Uh, maybe seventy-five or ninety percent of the people listening to this know who he is from PFL down through the years. But the problem is, when you put him up against Rory McDonald and he loses, you look like, you know, you look like, okay, you might have some good fighters, but you also look like you have a guy who's over the hill fighting now in your main event. And also with Musasi against Salter, like, we'll get into the fight, I assume, but, like, that 
that's just the name. Like, who is John Salter? I, like, and that's what the, the question is going to be for a lot of casual fans, you know, tuning in or even semi kind of hardcore, um, you know, MMA fans. And now, look, we know John Salter. He's a he's a relatively good fighter, you know, but. I just feel like last night really showed that there still is that gap. But I also think it the amount of thought that was put into it was very minimal. Like, why they, they should really, really, really be hitting these dates. And I talked about it, I don't know if it was on this podcast, I think it might have been the chasing back even with Ian over on Patreon. I'd really love if Bellator got back to their, their tintball events. Remember they used to do that, say, four or five times a year where they would stack those cards and make them huge. Now, they do it a little bit, but why wouldn't they do it in a night like tonight? You know, we were sitting here on the Saturday night recording a podcast. Imagine if Bellator was on tonight, right? And instead of a couple of weeks ago, they had AJ McKee mm. versus Pitbull tonight. They had uh, Musasi tonight. And say maybe they had, you know, uh, one of their other big fighters, say someone like uh, UL Romero or someone like that on the card tonight. Even Man, stick the other Pitbull the older people in yeah. in there you know yeah, people know the name and it looks like a stack card then and they like Bellator really should be looking at which which weeks are the UFC not on and then going okay we need to stack that week you know that it seems obvious but uh, you know what do, what do we know I suppose yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's uh, it's bizarre because like it's not only like tradition it's so obvious because there are so few UFC weekends on I don't know it's just last night sitting there thinking about like oh this is great you know it's great for me and you we can have a Sunday off now because we can record this on Saturday night but for the promotions themselves it, f- it just felt like that opportunity has kind of passed them by and there's another one coming like up here you mentioned that AJ McKee yeah. fight there like if you put that AJ McKee fight on tonight, tonight like, there was a lot of jeopardy around that a lot of questions being you know a lot, a lot of questions being answered in that fight a lot of jeopardy a lot of fan interest a lot of a lot of um you know excitement a lot of a lot on the line so i don't know why you know you know uh, are these schedules just just made ahead of time just like years ahead of time or a year ahead of time and there's no real thought put into it that's the way it seems and you know that really shouldn't be you know in the past we've seen like strike force and affliction temp- temporarily put on big cards when when ufc's weren't on and do do like well obviously the the, the times have changed but uh, you know bellator obviously been around a long time and are established and maybe maybe they're looking at this and saying oh we're just gonna do our own thing but i think it, you know you can do your own thing 90 percent of the time and then just these times when the ufc doesn't have a, an event which is rare you know the ufc is on what 40 something times a lot yeah uh, 40 40 something weeks of out of 52 so it isn't like you know uh it isn't like you're going to have to reschedule your, your your cards that often. And as you said, you know, uh, somebody like an AJ McKee, will, will, like, will benefit. Like, that performance would make him a much bigger star if he had the attention on him tonight that yeah. maybe he didn't have on him a few weeks back. And the thing about it is, as well, it's not kind of... There's no guesswork to be put into this here because the UFC have their like i was looking there what three or four weeks ago one of the lads we were on about like oh what night should we go out or whatever and i was like let me look for a night with no ufc and september the 11th come up so that's well that's a month away from now and it was at least a month ago that i was looking for it so like there are nights there like if the if bellator had three months to plan a card that's plenty of time for them to put on a card you know get their venue whatever it might be and i guarantee you they know before us as well you know the inside or they know you know before uh the, the people buying the, the the tickets or whatever it might be you can re you really really can you know m- make those things a little bit better make you know make um, smarter decisions and i I wonder, is it, you know, we talked an awful lot down through the years about Joe Silva leaving the UFC. I wonder how much of a difference Rich Chow leaving Bellator is having. He, you know, he was our main matchmaker. He's gone to work with uh, with John Kavanagh now in, uh, what's it called, the um, uh, Wimp to Warrior thing. Um, so, like, I, I'm actually not sure, maybe I need to ask, but I, I would assume it's, it's Scott Coker making the fights and maybe Scott Coker having a bit more... Um, maybe not responsibility, but a bit more work. And, you know, maybe they're looking for someone, maybe there is someone else doing it, but it's definitely a change and it's not him doing it uh, anymore. And maybe like some of these fights, maybe are him because he only left it there in the last couple of, of weeks. But I see like th- a fight between um, uh, Yoel Romero and Phil Davis was made. Now, I, there's a lot of bad matchmaking you could make in the UFC, Bellator, or PFL, wherever you might be, 
but I do not think you can find a stupider match to make than fucking Phil Davis versus Joel Romero. Why would you do it? You have this guy, Joel Romero, who is, look, he can be boring at times, but people love him and people, you know, are waiting for those flying knees and are waiting for him to knock guys out. And you put him in there against a guy who makes those fighters boring, makes them look bad, makes them into fucking five-round snooze fest or three-round snooze fest, and has done it for years, has made a career out of doing it. Just a terrible, 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 just uh, to steal a phrase from uh, Luke Thomas, promotional malpractice. Just awful. And there's like, look, Bellator have made some great matches over the last year. Look, the Pitbull, AJ McKee fight, fantastic fight. They have, I think they've made some good decisions. They're trying to come back to Ireland. They've done good things, you know, over the last while. I've given Bellator a lot of credit. They're on TV now here, and they're doing way better. You know, we used to criticise Bellator all the time before. But, and we haven't for a while. But this, I think this deserves criticism. This fight is horrendous. Also, the Fedor versus, um, what's his name, Tim Johnson fight? Why, why, why? Like, this is, Fedor's talking about this being his last fight. It's on in Moscow. And you give him Tim uh, It's Johnson? always his last fight. It's always, it's always his last fight. Yeah, but it is a fight in Russia, though. It's a big fight for Bellator in Russia. Yeah. And you make Tim Johnson? Like, why not Josh Barnett? Why, like, why not Jake Hager? Because they, they, want him to, they want him to win, probably. Yeah, but Tim Johnson's not bad. I think Tim Johnson actually beat him. I think he'd have a better chance of beating Josh Barnett. Yeah, but if he if he fights Barnett, he'd probably end up on his back being cat wrestled for you know as long as as long as the fight goes or until he until he gets pounded out. Uh, like with Fedor, you know, you know, I I, I don't want to see him fighting anybody anymore. Yeah. Like uh, the game's really you know passing by in a big way. <laughs> you know, heavyweights a, a different ball game completely than than what it used to be. Even at the even at the Johnson level, you know, even at the the kind of slugger level, so uh, I just have uh, I would I, I don't want to see Fedor in there with anybody really. To be honest, uh, you know, um, maybe if he does get this win in in Russia and a big you know parade afterwards or whatever, big celebration afterwards, uh, maybe he will stay retired. But you know, he's gonna he's gonna get offered big money again, like he always does, and he's gonna come back and you know. Looking forward to his next one. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm actually not. I'm actually <laughs> I'm not, not looking forward to his next one in this case. <laughs> but that's how the saying goes. But yeah, look, there there was a fight last night on that Bellator card. Let me pull it up here. Uh, where there was a lad who was three and oh, uh, Dave, uh, Dave, Davion Franklin. He fought a fella called Ever Cummings. He was fifteen and one, and he beat him. Yeah, and he was fucking rubbish. He looked like me going in there. I don't know how that. Happened. Let me click into his topology here and let's see who he fucking fought before. Because this man looked like he never fought anyone his whole entire life. Like he fought. He's fought in Bellator before. He's fought in Gladiator Challenge. He uh, okay. Here's a couple of guys he fought. He fought a lad who was zero and five ones. 2 and 8, 12 and 7, you know, not a bad record. 7 and 16, 2 and 1, 3 and 4, 0 and 1, 0 and 1, 0 and 4. 0 and 0, guys. Uh, yeah, he's fought a couple of legit. Sure, like, he records. has another five wins at amateur as well. So yeah. he's actually like over his career, he's 20 and uh, oh, wow. 20, or he's 19 and 0 going into that now, 20 and. One uh, coming out of it. Yeah. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. There, look, there was um, our our twenty and all going into twenty and one coming out of me. But yeah, it's, it's give that lad to to Fader. You know, imagine him. Oh, he's fighting someone fifteen and one. Looks great. And this schlub comes in there looking like fucking a prime Shanshi and fighting him. Like I don't know. It's just. in the middle of that those two cards last night I just couldn't help but feel like right no matter what happens in these cards and there were some good fights we'll we'll definitely get into the fights and they deserve credit for the good fights but it just felt like such a pity that the the uh, the Magomed Magomeda versus Rafian Stats fight wasn't on tonight or even with PFL that Rory wasn't in the top of the card tonight it wasn't a great fight by any means but Clay Collard how, fight, how many Magomed Magomedovs can you have on one card oh, there was a Magomed Magomedov on the uh, Bellator card and there was a Magomed Magomed Karimov on the PFL yeah. card so there was a, a plenty of Magomeds last night um, but you know it, it was that but let's get into the cards I suppose 
Um, I was flicking back through the prelims, so I like if there's any scores or anything like that, I'm not 100% sure on any of them, to be honest, because I didn't watch any of the fights in full because I was trying to keep up with them. There was a beautiful, it, they call it here on topology, a leg kick TKO, but this was a leg kick KO without any shadow of it. Michael Lombardo. And the, the, the ref was like, Are you done? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm screaming in pain here. What do you yeah. think, mate? Your man was basically, uh, you know, a verbal submission to leg kicks, which I don't think I've ever seen before. I think Zen Simon was saying that as well. Um, but that was a KO. He literally he knocked him out with a leg kick. So I, I wouldn't call that a KO. And it says KO, TKO here, so maybe. But that was uh, absolutely fantastic. That one was. Um, Megamedo Malatov rose to 11 and all. So he's a guy next year coming in. He probably He's 172 this fight was at. So probably a 170 at welterweight. Um, you know, bracket next year. He might be there. Brett Cooper got another uh, win here with the uh, standing TKO. He looked good in that one again uh, against Tyler Hill. Olivier Auburn Mercier, he got knocked and dropped in that fight against Daryl Harcher, but came back to win the unanimous decision. Uh, Gleason Tebow, I thought he looked phenomenal. He looked really good on top. Uh, was hitting s- some big, big shots. Uh, on uh, Mika Tyrell and got the arm triangle choke. A bit of a soft spot for Gleason, yeah. you know. He's a good fighter. He's not, he's not really shot. You know, he's been in there over fifty times. He, he's he's not getting any younger. He's been in there a lot of minutes, but he he, he doesn't show it. Like if you, if we if you didn't know how old he was or how like how much time he spent in there, he isn't showing the normal signs of of wear and tear and getting old that, that most most fighters have. And, Move up to 170 you know, as well, I think, helped him a lot because, you know, he's cutting yeah, a lot of weight to think, go on 155. And, you know. Yeah, I think as you get older as well, it becomes harder to, to, to cut the weight. Like, I think uh, cutting weight is a young man's sport and yeah. especially when you're placing tea about carrying Pretty around that, out, much, yeah. uh, that much muscle. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit animal. Yeah, this is, you know, he beat Rory McDonald his last fight as well, a controversial decision, I suppose. Uh, and I had definitely had Rory winning that one. But, you know, good, uh, good on Gleason. He's had a very good career and... Uh, I'm sure he'll be back in PFL again next year for another uh, another run at that one. Um, then, like Ranzabov, faced Alex Martinez, and fair play to him, he won that one. Um, uh, and he will face, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Hausch Manfio in the uh, finals of the 155-pound division, if I'm not incorrect there. Uh, uh, Clay Collard. I see a few people calling this a robbery. Um, look, I thought Collard won round one. He was losing round two badly, but came back really, really well. I thought he just did enough to snatch it. And then uh, Mafio, I thought, clearly won round three. Very, very, very close fight. Uh, absolute madness calling it a robbery, I think. But there were a lot of people. And, you know, even Ariel, I have great respect for Ariel. But, like, it wasn't... <laughs> The the, the the issue here, the biggest issue here, which people are missing because they're shouting, rabbi, rabbi, rabbi. one judge scored round one for uh, Mafia. Now, that's a terrible card, and that's a terrible score, and I don't see anyone mentioning that, and that's why... You know that's where we need to uh, to get mad if we're getting mad. But this misplaced anger about robberies when it it was a very close fight, like just because Collard came back in round two doesn't necessarily a hundred percent won that. If the judge thinks the first two and a half minutes of work or whatever it might have been by Mafio is more immediately impactful than the last two and a half minutes by Collard, then Mafio wins that wins that round, even though it was a great comeback from Collard. You know. And people, you know, that they seem to forget it. They call other people inept when it's actually them who's inept at doing their job uh, and watching the fight properly. So it's, and, and that's coming from someone who call, who said Collard won and tweeted it and said, you know, I think Collard won the fight. It's not one of those you can get mad at. It, it's one of those fights where you're looking at it and it seems like the wrong guy won. But with this system we have... It, look, it was 1-1 one, one in rounds, and there was another round cut right down the middle, one between them. So even that, I don't even think it did look like one where, where one guy clearly won, because it was a very, very close fight. But, um, you know, I thought it was a good performance from both. The, the problem with Clay Collard is he has, in his last couple of fights now, the same happened in the Anthony Pettis fight. He gets very, very tired towards the end of round two and into round three, and has lost round three now. Is it three times in a row or twice in a row anyway, at least? Um... And that's a big issue for him going forward. And obviously, he's out of this tournament. But looking, uh, looking uh, into his next uh, next tournament or next couple of fights or whatever it might be, that's something I think he needs to improve on. But um, yeah, that was uh, it was a very good fight. Take nothing away from the fight. You know, we get caught up in the judging when there's people shouting robbery and stuff. Uh, but a really, really good fight, and I really enjoyed it. Um, the Magomed Magomed Karimov fight. 
you know, Megamay Kerimov took him took Sai down in the first round off of a body kick, you know, as I tweeted last night, when someone has more than one Megamay in their name, do not kick him to the body, and that's what Sai did, and he got taken down, but in the second round, he did well, he kept it on the feet for most of the round, um, very, very close round though, because Megamay Kerimov was doing pretty well as well, um, he failed on a lot of takedowns, uh, but he did uh, he did some good stuff, and in round three there wasn't much scoring action at all. It was just Magomed Karimov holding him against the cage for maybe four minutes of that round. I had Magomed Karimov winning it, thirty uh, twenty seven. It could have been twenty nine twenty eight. Uh, you know, and that third round there was no immediately impactful shots by either guy, but Magomed Karimov. You know, you can give it for effective aggression or octagon control nearly even in that round because there was nothing landed. So. You know, but Sai did absolutely nothing, or Megamid Kerimov did a couple of things. And in the main event, very simple fight. Rory McDonald came out, tried to get the takedowns for three rounds, failed in all three rounds, and Ray Cooper ended up taking him down in all three rounds and won the unanimous decision. It was basically as simple as that. Rory was trying for a few triangles, trying for a high guard on the bottom, but just could not do anything. There was just nothing there for Rory throughout the whole fight. Um, he looked old. To me in this fight. Now take nothing away from Ray Cooper. And he's a very good fighter. I was gonna I was gonna ask you, do you think he he's old in terms of he's slowed down or he's lost it, or do you think the game has just evolved around him and you know, he came in as people were talking, oh, he's the first kind of guy coming in and he doesn't have a base. He's just like his base is just MMA and he's the future. And then now everybody, you know, he Ray Cooper, all these guys that maybe don't get the accolades, they're all so well rounded, they can all do everything and is it a is it a case? Do you think it's the case of the game's caught up with him, or he's slowed down, or the damage <clears throat> he's taken in them hard fights in the UFC and etc. Or do you think it's probably a combination of both? Do you know, it's funny because you use the phrase "slow down" there, and that's the I think that the phrase "slow down" is a great phrase, but it's not necessarily slow. He slowed down. I think the game has just sped up. Like when Rory McDonald was coming into us, the apex of mixed martial arts fighting was kind of control and i don't mean control like octagon control or anything like that i mean like the ability to control the fight from distance george st pierre an absolute master of it with his jab and you know john jones from kicking from the outside fighting a slower pace to you know you could see the guy come and see your opponent coming and you know kind of know what to expect from them but you have to be very very good to do that. Rory Mathand is a very, very good fighter, but the problem is, if you're not perfectly on it, when you're that sort of fighter, it's going to get shown up in today's mixed martial arts, because the someone like Ray Cooper... He's not going to stand around and let Rory McDonald jab him from the outside, you know? And he's not going to just wait there for Rory McDonald to take him down when Rory McDonald decides to take him down. Like, remember that BJ Pin fight, Rory? He was just like, waiting, 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 grabbed the leg, took him down, and just destroyed him on top. You can't wait, 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 take down anymore. There's almost no fighter in the world doing that now, unless it's someone who has, you know, <sighs> who doesn't always maybe wrestle. It's. MMA these days it has never been as like high output. Maybe not in terms of strikes and everything like that, but in terms of movement, in terms of doing things like the 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 meta game of mixed martial arts now is about variation, is about out output of energy, if not strikes, but with strikes as well, and with just doing different things, changing things up. Um, and I feel like Rory McDonald is still in the area era of control. And I think that's past. That's why we talked about John Jones a few times as well, and why he has struggled with uh, his recent fights. Like if you look at someone like Thiago Santos, just kicked him a lot, threw lots of shots. You could say the same for Dominic Reyes, and it's going to be harder to win and outpoint people fighting in a slower, more controlled manner in the mixed martial arts today. The game has just evolved beyond that, um, and I feel like that's a little bit where Rory is. You like you? Would you ever see Rory come out and throwing like a, a five or six punch combination? Like in his early days, you would have a little bit, all right. But nowadays, I think he is trying to be too intelligent about it. And there's there's a lot to be said for coming in with a very intelligent approach, but 
you know, we, we even spoke, I, I suppose, probably two weeks ago about guys like um, uh, the damaged Darren Elkins and just tough bastards. There's a place for people like that. And don't get me wrong, Ronnie McDonald is a tough bastard. But the madness, the kind of the insanity to throw shots that maybe you shouldn't throw because you know if you throw five of these shots, you might take six back or you might take three back, you know, or something like that. Ronnie McDonald has never kind of come off to me as a guy who would do that. Um, because he tries to be more controlled. Now, sometimes he gets drawn into it, like Robbie Lawler or something like that, and he is well able to fight in those fights. I'm not saying he's not able. I'm not questioning Rory McDonald. Do you, do, you do you think he still is able, though? Do you think he's kind of lost that know. kind of spark? He used to always, kind of his interviews used to be weird, and, yeah. you know, he'd kind of embrace violence and kind of talk about it in a nearly loving way. He does and seem to be more just, normal, doesn't he? Yeah, now he just seems to be like, ah, oh, it's just just getting on with this job, or it doesn't seem to have the same. He doesn't seem to have the same kind of viciousness to him, or not even viciousness. He never really had a viciousness to him. I'm not sure what the word is. Is a strange character that he used to that he used to have has just kind of faded away, and he's just become mm-hmm. kind of I don't know, uh, yeah, going through the motions more than anything. It seems maybe, maybe, but like it's you could say the same. Like even McGregor, you could say he's lost kind of the what has made him special. And I, I don't know if there's a lot to be said about things that happen outside of the cage as well in terms of like you know having children or getting married or finding a new partner you know moving gym or whatever it might be with different people's lives you know and that that can happen you know it 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 can happen we see money yeah money as well absolutely yeah and we see it in different sports or like even rory he's gone from the ufc to bellator to pfl we used to always talk to say someone like a shea mills who was you know had a relatively good ufc career and he goes out of the UFC, you know, he's barely heard from again, he has a couple of fights and loses most of them, you know, it, it happens, it, it happens, and it's, you know, it's it's an odd, it's an odd feeling, I thought, I saw the, um, uh, what's his name, Adam, Adam Catterall talking about, I think they were talking about McGregor before, and he was saying, you know, uh, he compared it to uh, going to Old Trafford before, he used to kind of be afraid to go there, people used to be afraid to fight Conor McGregor, you know, I, I guarantee you people are, were afraid to fight Rory McDonald before, you know, and afraid to go to Old Trafford. Would you be afraid that afraid to go to Old Trafford these days? Would you be that afraid to fight Conor McGregor these days if you're a UFC lightweight or if you're in the PFL and you're a welterweight? Would you be that afraid to fight Rory McDonald? Now, I would, or you would, I'm sure we would, but if you're Ray Cooper, who's a fantastic fighter, or you're Magomed Magomed Karimov, I don't think Rory McDonald is that physical presence and that monster that he once was even if it's not you know a, a physical monster but a, a technical monster it's also a thing of ray cooper's coming in there to like make a name for himself not that he doesn't have a name but like to kind of put yeah. himself out there and you know this is a huge fight for him this is probably like you know he's fought 30 times but this is probably the biggest fight of his life you know rory's fought 30 times as well but to rory this is probably way down on the list of uh you know how motivated he was for a fight in the lead up, and that plays into it as well. Like, and you know, maybe if uh, you know if Rory was in the UFC and kind of pushing towards towards uh, getting the title that he kind of always was seemed that his camp and his team seemed to think he was destined for. If that was still on the cards, if that momentum was still going, and he was at this age. And he was fighting a Ray Cooper and there was all this on the line, you know, maybe it would have went differently. We'll never know, but I think it's a it's a mixture of, you know, Rory slowing down, damage taking over the years, the game evolving. It's just a lot of factors. Yeah, and obviously Ray Cooper, Ray Cooper being, being a, a much bigger fighter, fight for him yeah. and a very good fighter and yeah. very well rounded, which everybody seems to be now and maybe when Rory was doing his best work, he he, uh, he had that advantage over people that he could take them like if they were weak somewhere he could kind of go there and win the fight that way yeah and like when you when you look at him we must mention again before we move on to to Bellator, you know ray cooper will be going in there against megamed karimov and that's going to be a good fight you know i, I presume megamed karimov will probably be a bit of a favorite but you know ray cooper is very good everywhere and i would not be surprised at all if he won that and you know him and PFL, I, 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 uh, I put up a picture of Rafael Nadal in in uh, the French Open, and it's it's like that, you know. He's he is one of those lads who's synonymous with PFL. Say like uh, Michael Chandler would have been, or an AJ McKee is now, I suppose, with Bellator. He is that guy there, you know. It was Justin Gaethje for a while, and and Marlon Moraes for a while, but he is that guy there now, and. Um, 
He's done a great job three years in a row. He's got to the final now, so fair play to Ray Cooper, one of the most underrated fighters in the world. So I know, obviously, you know us and I suppose lots of other podcasts as well will concentrate on Rory McDonald because he's the name and he's the guy that has been, you know, towards the top of the sport for years. But absolutely take nothing away from Ray Cooper, a very, very, very good fighter, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that that final. Um, so Bellator uh, was a pretty good undercard, to be honest. Uh, John McNeil. Uh, opened up his mixed martial arts uh, ledger with a good ground and pound win. Uh, Jeffrey Klosner uh, beat Sebastian Ruiz. It was a split decision in Pam Sorensen versus Roberta Pam uh, Samad. I didn't see much of that, so I'm not sure of the the result because I was watching the fights on the other side. Uh, Bistev beat Ty Gerder. Everyone was giving out about that fight, and another one I couldn't really see much. I, I don't think I saw any of that fight, actually, because which fight was that clashing with? I think that was clashing with maybe Brett Cooper over on Mercer. I don't know, I can't remember, but I, I'll go back and watch that one. Then that vicious knockout from uh, Franklin, which we mentioned earlier, to move to 4-0 against Everett Cummings, who came in as 15-0, and all, but, you know, 15-0 fighting the likes of fucking me and Graham, you know, so it wasn't, wasn't that impressive, to be honest, but a good win, and Franklin looks a prospect. Then we had Rafion Stotts versus Magomed Magomedov, you know, Stotts only became the four, the second man ever to beat Magomed Magomedov, the other being Petr Jan, so that's a very, very good win, a very close fight, um, the first two were on the feet uh, after Magomed Magomedov failed a couple of takedowns, I thought Stotts landed the better in round one and Magomed Magomedov in round two, the round three was another half and half round, you know. Uh, Stotts uh, got the first half of it. He was closer to finishing and Magomed Magomedov got on top and won the second half of that round uh, for me. Um, and But I thought Stotts did enough. I thought he was better in that uh, first half of that round. You know, I think there was a couple of 30-27s in there. I wouldn't be, you know, that, I thought Magomed Magomedov did do enough in the second round. But I, if you're giving that to Stotts, I don't think it's the worst card in the world uh, at all. So... I think the right guy definitely won in this one. And Stats is a very good fighter. You know, he's 17-1 and now. Magomed Magomedov came into it as, the, what, 18-1. and So they're not too far off in terms of records. And, you know, he's right up there now. He's uh, Rufus Sport as well, which is the same team as Sergio Pettis, who is the champion. So that might be a bit of a dilemma for them. But by the looks of it and by the sounds of it, they're going to fight each other. You know, James Gallers around there, Apache Mix in that division as well. But Stats is a very good fighter, yeah. isn't he? Two very difficult wins in a row, you know, Josh Hill and Magomedov are two very awkward fighters who, you know, uh, cause a lot of problems and make a lot of fighters uh, not look very good or awkward styles. And, uh, you know, he's got two very good decision wins there. Uh, obviously, there was a couple of very close rounds in, in there, but uh, yeah, I thought... Uh, I thought he deserved the victory. Yeah. So um yeah, um interesting to see where he goes from here. He's 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 on a long streak here, you know, his his last loss was a four and a half of over four years ago to a spinning back fist, you know, that can that can happen to anybody. You get hit with a spinning back fist and uh it's MMA, you know, it's a crazy game. So he's uh you know, he's never shied away from a from a big fight. He fought Jeff Curran and what one of his one of his what was it third six seven seventh fight, a very experienced guy Rob Emerson in the next fight. So yeah, like he isn't like uh, what was the other guy's name? The fifteen he isn't like the fifteen Cummings. and one fighter. Yeah, yeah sorry, yeah. This, this, he's a different type of uh, fighter than that. He hasn't he hasn't bumped up his record with a yeah. bunch of zero and zeros and zero and ones and absolutely two and eights. Yeah, and he, look. I think he's a tough enough style matchup as well for uh, for Pettis because, you know, on the feet, I think if it gets into a, a striking technical matchup, I would probably favor Pettis, but Stotts' wrestling is pretty good. If you can stop Magomed, Magomed will take you down for almost the whole fight. You know, you're on to a winner there. And Sergio Pettis, you know, he's, Sergio Pettis is a good all-round fighter. I think he's a very good fighter, but uh, if Stotts' wrestling is that good, it's, he's going to find it very, very hard not to get taken down. So, uh, you know, that fight might happen uh, coming up and, uh, you know, I suppose an update as well on the... I'll give you the update after this card on, on the, what's coming up with Bellator. Um, Karashkov in the co-main event. Teasing the update. Teasing, teasing the update. update. We gave you a Real bit of an pro. update last week and it still hasn't, still hasn't <laughs> happened. But we'll, we'll see. Uh, Karashkov, he looked like Karashkov, to be honest here. He's been out for a while, uh, but came back and just you know just dominated Saba Humasi. There's not much to say about it. It was a good fight uh, from Karashkov. Saba Humasi just very, very tough. He almost finished and him. 10-8 in the second round? Or yeah. No? I, thought, did, I thought it was 10-8. Did you? 
Yeah, I think so. I think like yeah, back in the day it, it wouldn't have been, but mm. yeah, I think I think now now it is. Yeah, I thought it was as well. Uh, I think I had it. Was it thirty twenty six or a uh, cough definitely won that fight? I yeah, think so good. Uh, good comeback for him. Uh, and in the main event, look, this was one of the ones I I, I went back just nearly two weeks ago, I suppose, at this stage, uh, and watched some John Salter fights, and was like. Oh, this had the prospect to be an absolute fucking snooze fest, and thankfully Gegard Musasi kind of saved us from that. You know, last night at half four in the morning or whatever it was, you know, Salter came out and he had this. You know, people might give out and say I'm anti wrestling or whatever. It was anti fighting. It's not wrestling. I love wrestling. Like Habib taking someone down and belting them on from on top, or you know, destroying Justin Gaethje with jujitsu absolutely love that it's absolutely fantastic i love that sort of fighting and always have but what john salter does and guys like that that's, you, you, the, the things you can do from wrestling you know when you have dominant yeah. wrestling position the things you can do if you're actually just wrestling and not doing anything else it's, mm-hmm. it's not entertaining to most people like you know i don't think even people who wrestled watch like live wrestling events for a reason (laughs) but uh yeah you know um probably you know it might have been the best game plan even though it was you know didn't work and was extremely boring uh like from salter but you know he's completely outmatched here and against gegar musasi so you know trying to frustrate him trying to tire him out trying to you know lay on him yeah. Maybe that was the best. You it, know, it, it what else was. is he supposed to do? Yeah, it probably was. But, like, Musasi was just a far superior fighter. Like, I gave Musasi the first round, even though Salter probably dominated four minutes of it. He did absolutely nothing. Big John came out afterwards. Actually, I don't know if the cards are out yet or not. Maybe you could look it up there, Graham, and see if they are. But, um,. I would hope a judge, and maybe not. It was look, it was a close round. Don't get me wrong, there wasn't that much landed. But I thought Big John in the commentary was saying Salter landed the hardest shots of the round. I don't think he did. I think Musasi landed a couple early, landed a couple of knees in the clinch as well, which were just as hard. And he was winning like the the battle of maybe unsignificant strikes, if you want to put it that way, or non uh, non uh, hurtful strikes before the the fight went to the cage with the four minutes of fucking grappling just hold, like holding the leg pulling it down like it's grand tire a lad out and stuff like that but god almighty just throw a punch or go for a you know try to get the lad to the ground where you can land big shots and try to go for submissions and stuff like that it's just you know it's it's so frustrating to watch it sometimes and you know, it's easy for me to say, I suppose, sitting here, I'm not done fucking fighting Gegard and Musasi, but, you know, if if we're watching Man United versus Liverpool and Man United come out with fucking seven at the back and it's nil all, we'd probably criticise them too, so why not do this? You, you were a big Jose Mourinho yeah, fan, no? Legend. There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> with a Marouane Fellaini. But, uh, yeah, look, Musasi, it mattered not because Musasi was just too good, as you mentioned, we're on different levels, a step above. Um... And he really stepped on the uh, the gas pedal, or the the the, uh, the petrol pedal on uh, <laughs> in round two. Just add up Salter. Salter looked tired, as I kind of predicted last week, as I, I thought he would be. Could have been stopped at the end of round two. Uh, I hit Musasi up twenty seventeen at that stage, I think, but uh, he was able to finish then uh, in the tour. Just. You know, landing too many shots, got the fight to the ground, got on top. Very good top position as well, Musasi has. And he's the sort of top position that you want to see from, you know, a grappler or someone looking to finish the fight on the ground. Big, big power, hard hips and big shots on the ground. Lovely stuff for Musasi and another very, very good performance. Uh, Fighting Austin Vanderford next, which is a very good fight. You know, Austin Vanderford, another guy who doesn't maybe land that much on top, but tries and, and you know, it'd be interesting to see him fighting over five rounds. A good win last time out over uh, Fabian Edwards in a, you know, a closer fight maybe than it looked. Um, but um, I'm sure Gegard will take a lot from that, but I'm sure Vanderford will have learned a lot from that as well. And with his wrestling, you know, it's going to be a tough night but for Musasi with his wrestling, but it's also going to be a very tough night for Vanderford as well with the not only the wrestling of Musasi, but with the uh, the ability to get out of that wrestling as he showed with Salter and find, way, find ways around it as well. So this was a perfect warm-up, honestly, for that fight, to be honest. Uh, but I, I think Vanderford is a, a little bit better of a fighter than Salter. But uh, look, I'm looking forward to that one. I think Vanderford absolutely deserves it. But um, yeah, uh, and on the tease as well. Bellator released their schedule the other day for upcoming fights, uh, and the Ireland one was conspicuously absent on it. I said a couple of weeks ago that we should know in the next two to three weeks, um, 
I, I asked again about it and they were telling me in the next couple of weeks, you know, one to two weeks, it should be announced or maybe not, you know, the, the James Gallagher versus Patchy Mix fight might be moving over to the Mohegan Sun or somewhere like that. In Ireland, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, Graham. What's your take? Like, will there be full... No, like I, I heard some. I, I was listening to the radio the other day, and one of these lads, you know, one of the the DCU immunologist lads, who have for the whole time been calling for full lockdowns, are saying open things up. So I wonder, are we getting to that position where maybe by the time November comes, things will be open up? It's it's hard to to see that now, you know, for it to be like England. We're watching Premier League games with seventy thousand, and and even the you know the All Ireland final coming up next week with Limerick in it, and Farley yeah. Dublin won't be in there, or so forty thousand at him. So I don't know. It's it's just uh, unknowns, I suppose, and uh, for Bellator, it's it's a risk, you know, to kind of try to set up a show here. I don't know how much investment, you know, how much it took cost to put the deposit down on the on the arena and all the stuff you need to start doing to preliminarily like kind of book that week. But I can't see it being too expensive, you know. Maybe they're kind of just waiting to see what happens, and you know, obviously this James Gallagher fight is kind of the. They, they can't wait too long to to put that together so maybe that will be the thing that kind of forces our hand either way but probably with it be still being up in the air here probably that's holding them back from from pulling the trigger on it yeah they're I'm not sure 100% but there's no I think there's a couple of what, what is it 50 in indoors now or 100 or something like that but definitely no thousands of live events in Ireland yet so things would have to change for it to, to be able to happen um you know, hopefully you can. Or I wonder, would Bellator... Like how, how, this yeah. vaccine rollout, you well, know, when is that yeah. due to finish? Who, who knows? I, I'm not following it too closely. I kind of got sick of the whole coronavirus so updates. Uh, and... 80% of the population now have one vaccine. I think 70%, well, this was a couple of days ago. So we're at the stage now where Ireland is reaching, like, full vaccination basically everyone you know this the anti-vax motion really has not worked in ireland at all there's a lot of talk and a lot of bullshit going around but people have taken the vaccines in their absolute droves and you know it'd make you proud to be irish to be honest and fair to the people who've done it but uh, well, uh, how many, you don't know what percentage do people have both or have you know the johnson one yeah. or are completely vaccinated I, I think it's 70 it was it was over 70 percent anyway so it's, it'll be going on for 80 percent this week i think so we're, we're not too far away like by the time by the time november comes it will you know it will never get to 100 percent, but it'll be in the 90s without a shadow of a doubt i think um i don't know what like this is a coronavirus podcast now we heard this stage, but i don't know what they're gonna do at some stage they're gonna have to open up because you know britain have done it it seems to be going you know pretty well numbers are going to go up and down but we're, we're going to have to take that step at some stage i think and this is going to be a yearly thing where we're going to have to get the vaccine like the flu vaccine every year i think people are kind of realizing that maybe a little bit now and once we get that into our heads and we can move on and we say look this is always going to be a worry we can still keep sanitizing our hands watch out for to get our vaccine once a year or once every six months or what it might be and let's move on and, and let's get on with stuff you know i think that's that's probably the way it's going to go and look will that happen in the next two months if it does, Bellator can absolutely come. If it doesn't, maybe Bellator won't be able to come. Or maybe it'll be a behind closed doors. I don't know. I don't know if Bellator are willing to do that here to put the the uh, European fighters on the car. But I suppose we will see. And, and that's the update on that anyway. Um, so, yeah. Uh, let's look ahead to the upcoming fights so from next week. Uh, PFL. Have another card. There's PFL, Bellator and UFC. So, PFL is on the 19th. Bellator is on the 28th and UFC is on the 21st. So that's fantastic. I'll be up till 6am three nights in a row. That's fucking great. Um, Kayla Harrison versus Dinia Fabian. Look, we all know what's going to happen. That Kayla Harrison's going to take her down and win it. Uh, in that one, there's the heavyweight fights as well. Uh, Jamel Jones against Capazola and then Larissa Pacheco against Guardola in the other lightweight women's fight. Uh, and then you have Dennis uh, Galtasov versus Ante Deja. Um, you know other than that Caitlin Young is on the card uh, as well and you know not a lot other than that on that PFL card so not a great card but the uh, the top fight Kelly Harrison obviously must watch TV at all times then the Bellator uh, card is actually not a bad one at all uh, in the main event we have uh, Czech Congo versus Sergey Haritanov don't expect that to be a banger, to be honest, unless someone gets knocked down early. But, you know, Czech Congo has been doing a lot of wrestling over the last two or three years, especially in Bellator. But in the co-main event, JJ Wilson versus Adam Barracks. 
this is a fight. If you only watch the UFC or if you're only, you know, casual maybe Bellator and you haven't seen these lads, you've probably seen Adam Barrocks, all right, because he's had some big fights. But this JJ Wilson is one of the best upcoming prospects in the world. 18 and 0 against a guy Barrocks, 17 and 1, and he's lots of head kick knockouts and beating some good beating Aaron Pico, if I'm not mistaken, and beating some good guys. This is a fantastic fight and one I will definitely be tuning in and watching closely. Brilliant, brilliant fight. Logan Storley on the card as well. Uh, Alejandro Lara on the card. You know, not the best card in the world. Mike Hamill versus Bryce Logan. Uh, and uh, Kimbo Slice Jr., Kevin Ferguson Jr. also on this as well. So, um, you know, Bellator and PFL putting out their cards there. And as well, we have uh, the UFC. So, the main event there in the UFC is Jared Cannonier, Kelvin Gaston. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, on the undercard, Abdel Razak Al Hassan versus uh, Braganetto. That should be fun. You know, Razak Al Hassan, he's either knocked out or, or, or knocks out. Uh, the 34th president of the United States of America, Roosevelt Roberts, is taking on Ignacio Bahamodes. Uh, Bia Malecki, who's a, a big fan over there, and Philip O'Connor over in Sweden against uh, Johnny's jo- uh, Nunes. Um, Sasha Palatinikoff is on the card. Who was he? He was training with someone recently. Who was it? I can't remember. Um, Brian Kelleher back on the card as well. Ireland's own, uh, and you know other people as well. A couple of These 14, fights. 15 fight cards. I don't know. It's like, too much. It's, it's, it's yeah, so much 10, things. 11, like even eight, nine is perfect. Like yeah. anything over twelve is just come on. Like, like there's those fights in the middle. This William Knight absolutely stacks to the to the hilt. Like yeah. uh, just oh. There, there's literally like five, six fights in this that no one wants to see. You know, their their own fucking families don't want to see these fights. Like, but you would also have fights. Pantosha against Brandon Rival. That's a fucking great fight in the hundred twenty-five pounds. Yeah, that's that's going to be a fucking really close fight. That's a hard yeah. one to call as well. I'm a big fan of Pantosha, but that's a difficult fight. It's a split, split decision written all over. I said that one. That's a, <laughs> yeah, a good does, yeah. Uh Vince Pichel against Austin Hubbard as well. Chase Sherman back always fun. Um, Clay Guida against Marco Madsen. This is an interesting yeah, what fight. What do you think about this one? Yeah, wrestler versus Clay Guida. <laughs> I was, I was actually, I did a Patreon show the other day. I was talking a little bit about this. I know we we often talk about fighters and how they're built and you know what next move they make. Marco Madsen, he's in his late thirties, I believe, or maybe even older than that. He's ten and all Olympic silver medalist, if I'm not mistaken. Um, putting putting someone ten and zero into there against Clay Guida, you know, I might say that's thirty six years old though. Yeah. You got to make it happen soon. Have you to know? make it happen. That's exactly it. And I think this is great matchmaking. If he beats Clay Guida, he's immediately eleven and 155 pounder who is an Olympian and who everyone is talking about. And then you move him on. Maybe say someone like a Bobby Green. Imagine if you beat Bobby Green, then you move him on to someone you know a little bit higher up. This, this is good matchmaking. I think Mar- Marco Madsen is a guy you can kind of get behind. I don't think he's put it all together yet in MMA, but when you have that high-level athletic base and, and you know, the base for MMA in, in wrestling, which is always very good, um, you know, it's it, the UFC, I think, mm-hmm. have done a great job with him. And, uh, and Cage Warriors before that as well, and I'm looking forward to see where he can go. But for, you know, Clay Guida, fair play to him. It's a tough fight to be taken uh, against someone dangerous who uh, maybe not everyone knows. But, um... Yeah, I'm looking forward to that fight, and I think it makes uh, it takes it makes a lot of sense. Um, who do you think will win it? I I I I, think I wouldn't count out Guida at all. I yeah, um, like Guida could kind of stay on the outside, and he's done it before, run around a lot. Like people didn't like it, but maybe not do it to that extent uh, that he did. Like, well, who was that against? That he oh, ran God. around ridiculously. He's done a lot of stuff. I once getting booed it... though during the fight and stuff for yeah. doing it. He did it like oh, I can't remember now, but. But uh, yeah, like he definitely has ways to win this fight. Like you know, he's very experienced guy. He's he's very tough. He's he's no mug on in the wrestling realm himself. But obviously, he's gonna he's gonna want to avoid that uh, at all costs, pretty much. But if he can, you know, if he can avoid a couple of early takedowns and land some damage, then you know the fight will swing his way. I think. I haven't looked it up. What's a Gray Maynard? That for some reason that's after popping out of me. Was it Gray Maynard that he ran around again? I think it might mm. be. He's in great fights against been. Diego Sanchez. Yeah. Diego is one of these lads where for a while he had like this boring aura around him, but then before that he was awful exciting, and after that as well, I think he is so uh, you know. But I I like Clay and I think this will be a, a good fight. And then Cannoneer versus Gastelum, you know, this is a very interesting fight. Cannoneer has fought up, I think he's fought at heavyweight before even, but he's definitely fought a light heavyweight anyway against Gastelum, who's, you know, fought down at 170. Um, I I think Cannoneer, look, 
if Cannoneer fights to the best of his ability and Gaslam fights to the best of his ability, I think Cannoneer will win it. But the, the problem with this is both of them are guys who sometimes show up and sometimes don't show up. And whoever doesn't show up will probably lose this one, you know. Um, I find it very hard to get a read on this. Like, Gaslam is used to fighting guys who are bigger. And, you know, Cannoneer is not massive, don't get me wrong, but he's a you know he's a big guy and I think he'd be bigger than Gaslam in here. But Gaslam is used to fighting guys like that and coming up over the top and landing some nice strikes. But Cannoneer can hit hard too. Uh, over five rounds, though... I don't know, I think maybe if Gaslam can add in a few takedowns as the rounds go, you know, not only saving his gas tank in, in the meantime, but also taking away maybe a bit of Cannoneers, I think it could be a good fight for him, but I, I would, you know, I, I said I think the, if the best Cannoneers shows up, he wins, but I, I'm nearly going with Gaslam here. What, what do you think? I don't know, like, uh, I don't know, I've lost a bit of faith in Gaslam. He hasn't had, a, like, a good win in a long time. You go back to that split decision against... Uh, Jackeray, you know, it's more than three years ago. He's he's lost Adesanya, Till, Hermanson, and Whitaker in the meantime, and obviously they're high level guys. But I think he hasn't really looked the same. There's always a thing with Gaslam where you kind of have to wait to see him on the scale to see, or maybe even in fight week to see if he's actually been taking this seriously or not, or if he's going to have a, a belly on him. You know, that's not doesn't really fit you with confidence. How dedicated is he? Is he to this? You know. There isn't really a, a title shot in, in the on the horizon, so you know how motivated is he going to be going into this? There's just too many questions around Gaslam to to pick him this far out from the fight, like even though it's only a, a week away. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see the night before, but yeah, I, I'm going with Gaslam anyway. Fuck it. Uh, you mentioned Jack Red right there. He's he actually retired this week. Um, look, with all looking the women there, yeah, yeah, looking forward to his next one, of course. But I think. Um, What's, what's his name? The guy who wrote Michael Bisping's book. I always fucking forget his name. And, and Evans. Um, he always says about Jack Ray that the biggest the biggest thing Jack Ray will probably remember for, that he'll remember himself for, is not taking that fight against Luke Rockhold. That was a UFC 199, the one where Michael Bisping went and, and won uh, the championship. And he never got a title shot again after that. It's, you know, it's a very harsh point, but a fair point as well. Now, Jacques will be remembered for, as a very, very good fighter. And, uh, you know, he's some of the most animalistic wins we've ever seen in, in the history of the UFC from, uh, you know, the, the the crocodile or the alligator or whatever it is. Uh, aptly, he was, he was an absolute animal at one stage, but he never got over that hump. And he, he did get the opportunity once and he didn't take it. And that's... You know, that is a bit sad, but overall, I've always been a big fan of Jack Ray. I, I predicted at one stage that I think I said four people to be champions and three of them became champions and Jack Ray was the one who didn't. Um, so that's how highly I thought of him. But um, overall, like Jack Ray was always a lad and we, we looked through the, these five cards here that we've just talked about and we talked about people who would stand out in the card, you'd be excited to see. And to me... Jacare was always a lad you'd kind of be excited to see even before he became a good striker and it was just submissions he was always exciting wasn't he I think historically yeah I think recently though when the the kind of the games kind of caught up with him and his jiu-jitsu isn't you know it used to be that like if Jack Ray got you down it was like yeah, quicksand jiu-jitsu doesn't work I agree yeah 100% it was like quicksand and you were kind of like oh, if somebody survived it you were like oh wow that was, they did like you know they, they surprised me there surviving that or they, they did really well there or whatever now it's just like you know well you know everybody's kind of pretty competent at, at least at defensive jiu-jitsu and it's not a surprise anymore and his jiu-jitsu isn't on another level like it used to be and obviously his striking is a lot better than it was at the start of his career but it's not a, anywhere near the the level of the other top guys in, in his division so you know it it would be a good time to call it a day and call it a career but as we always say, he'll be back. Yeah, he probably will be. But look, hopefully this is it for him. Because he, as you mentioned, this is the stage where you would like to see people return. But it's MMA and uh, we will see. Uh, and last thing here before we go. Uh, that judge in Texas from last week. Uh, let me pull it up. I just had it here a second ago. He did the green versus Fizev card. Um and he came out, John Anik said, you know, how do you score this fight this way? You know, we obviously, we talked about it last week. Um, he came out, a lot of a lot of fighters and a lot of managers and different people said, we really appreciate his um, explanation. I wish more judges do this. It's absolutely great. 
John McCarthy came out and absolutely slated him, called him an idiot and everything like that. Like, really, really bad. Um, now, the problem with this is, right, I think it shows the difference between maybe the judging and the officiating community and the, the wider community. So, reading it, and, you know, obviously, you know, we've seen judges and, and officials' reactions to it or maybe heard it, heard it. What he came out and said was not what the people over the judging commissions or, you know, his boss, whoever it might be, even, you know, whoever it might be, uh, would want him to say. You know, they would not want him to give that explanation the way he gave it. I think for me reading that, it showed that he obviously understands the criteria, but it shows that he doesn't have that intricate, maybe, knowledge of it that someone like, you know, uh, like the best judges in... in like, like, like a Sean Sheehan. Like, like a Sean Sheehan. <laughs> like a Sean Sheehan. Yeah, that's what you wanted to say. Wasn't it? <laughs> no, no. But like the, like the best judges in, in Vegas. Like somebody or, very knowledgeable like me. Like, like myself. <laughs> but I think that... And look, there there is a thing as well that I don't think you will be hearing... Uh, look, Mike Mazzulli came back and he's been on record before people have asked him about you know judges and officials coming out and explaining things and he has said before that he doesn't like want people doing that and stuff and you know maybe i might ask uh, i might try to get mike mazuli on the podcast to even ask him a few of you know, those podcasts i've spoken before and he's a nice guy but i think i don't think he'd be happy with that i don't think other judges and officials are happy with a guy coming out like that and the problem with uh judges and officials coming out is if let's say Bing, Bing came on the, the podcast with me when he speaks very intelligent he's used to speak and used to being a public speaker Mark Goddard the same almost always he makes you know very good comments even a big John McCarthy when he was doing it very good it's guys like this who not really that experienced might be their first or second or third or fourth or fifth time doing a UFC card and they get you know a bit of abuse on Twitter and next thing they're coming out and they're roaring and shouting and they're making a show of themselves and he didn't really make a show of himself but he is putting himself out there and putting the judges out there to be in a, an even more vulnerable position than they are already in. And I don't think they want that at all. Now, uh, I would like to hear more from judges. I would like to hear more from officials, but I don't think this is the way forward. And I certainly don't think that judges and officials believe this is the way forward with a young kind of up-and-coming judge coming out and roaring at John Anik and stuff like that. I don't think that's the way to do it. So that would be my take on that. And I know, you know, a few people have been talking about it during this week, but um, it's we're in a weird situation with judging uh, at the moment because, as I said, Mike Mazzulli's back in. There's a few changes upcoming and hopefully they'll, they will be introduced. And we, I suppose we know towards the end of the year, but I spoke about the... The 10-8 situation a couple of weeks ago, how pressure has been put on by the UFC and other people and the commission seemed to be listening to it and and kind of telling the judges to adjust how they're scoring 10-8s and stuff at the moment. So we're not going to see uh, as many 10-8s, I don't think, until maybe things settle down or the criteria is adjusted totally. So it'll be interesting to, to speak about that and keep an eye on it over the next while i know obviously a lot of people tune in here expecting to hear about judging and stuff like that so uh we will we'll continue to that but however that's uh someone actually mentioned that i say however a lot last week i never even realized but now i do every time i say it i'm like oh yeah i fucking yeah, I do say it all the time yeah, yeah. that's weird is it it's a it's a limerick thing i think is it is it? i don't know i looked it up and it's apparently it's an irish thing so yeah i was about to say it again there but i backed out <laughs> Out of it. I, I, uh, how did you, uh, you, you, you even made self conscious about it now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How did you watch the GA for the first time in like 10 years today and Dublin lost their first yeah, game after, since 2014? The, yeah, <laughs> it must be a. Uh... I must jinx. be a bad luck. You're a pure jinx. After the Liverpool game, I, I didn't want to listen to Jamie Redknapp's opinion, so I uh, I was searching around and saw the the Dublin game, and I don't know, it's, it's gone awful soft. That that the yeah, I haven't watched it in a long time, but they're they're whipping out cards for every little touch. People flopping on the floor, just just a different game than I remember. Yeah, Dublin. Back in my day, <laughs> back in my day, Dublin should have had five or six lads in that. And that game was atrocious. All and it was people were running into guys and falling over and getting card. And yeah. The guy was getting carded, and then there was a, a slight touch on the back, and there was a free. And it's ah, uh, I don't know. Limerick Ronaldo. The standard of the standard of football was was, was awful. People yeah. were just dropping the ball, running out running out of play with the ball in their hand over their own end line. Uh, just missing simple points. I don't know how that team won 
six yeah. in a row I, I don't know this this time next week uh, I'll be getting ready for Limerick in the All-Ireland final and absolutely shitting myself so. Erling there's a, there's a proper game proper game fact that's a proper game and it's the two most skillful teams Limerick and Cork in the final next week so that's going to be fucking fantastic and Hopefully, Limerick currently are the best GA team in the world at the moment with Dublin after losing. So, you know, Dublin are obviously there having won six in a row, but that seemed to that team seemed to be on the way out now. So, this Limerick team is in the middle of the greatest run in the history yeah. of Limerick Ireland. So it's fantastic. If, if people if people hate the the soccer talk, they're gonna be, <laughs> they're gonna hate the the Gaelic football talk even more. <laughs> people people like when I'm tweeting about hurling and stuff. I feel like you know in the MMA community there aren't that many people doing it. Myself actually, it was I was after the interview with Brian Moore the other day. We were talking about uh, hurling afterwards as well. So unfortunately, you expert last, but uh, yeah, we'll have. Uh, We'll have Pala Hands Cork against uh, Catherine Costigan's Limerick coming up here on next week, so that should be fun. And uh, who was in the final? Oh, yeah, Kerry got. Did you hear about that? Kerry got a buy into the final because Tyrone half their squad got COVID and they're not able to field the team. So it's going to be Mayo versus Kerry because they got a buy. Well, maybe that'll change now. But uh, they're not the have some like moment. underage team they can. They can that's make what I was the numbers, thinking. No? Yeah, why don't they, like? There's surely another fifteen players in the county. But the experience at least, if you, even if you get hammered, the experience would be yeah. be good for the young player. I, I, I think what they're trying to do care. is. I I think they're trying to put pressure on them to put the game back another week, but I don't know if that'll work or not. I hope it is. You know, it'd be a shame if it was a walkover and not Ireland semi-final, but however, that's uh, I said it again. Uh, right, thank you to everybody for listening. Um, and uh, if you haven't signed up for Patreon yet, please do patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast. And also, please, if you're listening to this on Sunday, I'm going to be recording on Monday. Please send me questions at severe my pod or on Patreon. I have literally like four questions for the QA, so it's going to be like a six minute QA if I don't get questions. Obviously, because there was no UFC and no Saturday night event this week, so very few questions. Please send me some. Sean at severe You can get me there as well if you want to email me questions. So I'll take them from anywhere to be honest with you at this stage. Um, Manscaped. Promo code Severe May, 20% off and free shipping. Follow Graham at Severe May, me at Sean Sheehan BA. Follow at Severe May Pod. Give a thumbs up, give a like. Uh, you know, we're on YouTube now as well. You can listen to the video. We don't have cameras and stuff yet because my computer is in the bits. Um, but we have all of that iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, subscribe, 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 tell a friend, if you tell a friend and you heard from another friend, you tell another friend, and that's how we all get better, leave a review, all of that, God bless, and all that's left to do is give the inspirational quote of the week. The important thing is to learn a lesson every time you lose. We'll see you next Tuesday. Probably winner, winner learn basically. Winner, winner learn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, that was actually from John McEnroe, not John Kavanaugh. We'll, we'll see. Good luck.